1: Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness Men's Basketball. I'm your host, Andy Katz. We're recording on Monday, the day after Selection Sunday. Uh, good follow up show. Chad Aycock from Warner Media, Turner Sports, Bleacher Report. He's going to join me. Last year we had March Chadness, weekly picks. Uh, kind of went away for that a little bit, but we're bringing him back to discuss the bracket really in depth. And Chad's going to quiz me and go over various scenarios of. Uh, you know, different topics and really peel back the bracket in all the different regions. So we're going to do that. Uh, Obviously, you can go to NCAA.com, all our social media platforms where you can see my bracket. You know, my Final Four, we did that through Bleacher Report on Sunday night. And I've got Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, and Iowa. Purdue versus Arizona. Arizona winning the national championship. So you can hold me to it. Upsets. Didn't have a lot of them, a little scared, sometimes I go a little more chalky, but uh, we're going to discuss the ones that potentially could happen, so Chad's going to pin me on a number of those. I'm going to be joined by Scott Drew, reigning national championship coach, Uh, Baylor, a number one seed, so Scott's going to help us tip off March Madness with the first four games starting Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night in Dayton, I'm off to Portland for that region. So I get the number one overall seed, Gonzaga. They'll take on Georgia State in 116. 8 nine's Boise State-Memphis. We've got uh, St. Mary's taking on the winner of Wyoming-Indiana and UCLA-Akron. So I'm looking forward to that, getting out to Portland. Uh, next week, I'll be in Chicago for that regional where, you know, potentially we could have Kansas, Iowa, Wisconsin, Auburn. We'll see if it all holds true. Certainly would be a great scene in Chicago. Uh, Kansas has a ton of alums. Obviously, if you get two Big Ten teams like Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, that would be pretty special. So that's all coming up. And a little cat's ranks looking at the top ten fan bases that I think will travel well uh, for the first and second round. So that's all coming up here on March Madness Men's Basketball. And now joining me here on March Madness Men's Basketball, Chad Aycock from WarnerMedia, Turner Sports, Bleacher Report. You wear many hats. Uh, March Chadness. We're back talking about the NCAA tournament, the bracket. Uh, I am open to anything you can throw at me. Uh, I've I've had to digest this bracket in a short amount of time, and I'm still breathing it here. So, Chad, I want you to fire away and pepper me. Go ahead.
0: Let's do it, Andy. Yeah, well, you dropped your bracket prediction last night. We love it. The one thing I noticed right off the bat, you picked two one-seats to make the Final Four, and then you picked two to not make the Final Four. Uh, so I am curious. Out of these one seeds, which one has the hardest path to the final four?
1: Uh, Of the two that I picked to go?
0: Any of them. You can split it up. I want to go hardest and easiest.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's all about matchups, as we know, in the NCAA tournament. And to me, the two Big 12 teams, and that's why I didn't pick them, and why I conversely picked the two teams from the West Coast and Gonzaga and Arizona. You know, we'll get to this, obviously, but I love this Iowa team that I saw in person this whole week in Indianapolis. I think they match up well against Kansas. They're a five seed. So potentially if that happens, I like Iowa in that sweet 16 matchup because also, even though there's a ton of Kansas fans and alums in the city of Chicago, Iowa is going to flood that United center. If that happens, uh, the Hawkeyes it's, it's an easy drive. There's tons of Iowa uh, and big 10 alumni in Chicago. So I think it's gonna be a great atmosphere if that happens and I favor the Hawkeyes. So I don't like that matchup for Kansas, potentially. And then, obviously, even if they got past that, you know, let's say, hypothetically, they played Wisconsin. Even though they're better than Wisconsin, you are potentially in the United Center. Or Auburn. And Auburn has slid lately, but they were number one for a reason. And when those guards shoot well, and Katie Johnson has not lately, but if he does, and Jabari Smith is arguably one of the three best players in the country... Uh, I, I like Auburn better than Kansas as well. The other side, Baylor. Baylor is not as good as last year. We know that. Uh, they lost in the Big 12 tournament. They've not been healthy. And I see a number of obstacles for them. They could run in, you know, if Carolina plays like they did against Duke, that high low. Yep. Remember, Jonathan Chamuachacha was out for Baylor. So now you're dealing with Armando Baycott or... Um, yeah, have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, or Brady Manick. So I think that's an issue. You know, UCLA, I think, still they could beat Baylor with Miles Johnson, Cody Riley, and if Johnny Juzang and Jaime Hawkes play well. But the the to me, the team I don't see them get passes Purdue now, or Kentucky, to be honest. Yeah, or, or Big Nation. Whoever wins that battle, and that's gonna be an absolute just you know physical, huge tussle inside if that happens, where you've got Oscar Sheebway against, you know. Zach Eady and Travion Williams. That's a lot of muscle. That's a lot of weight Mm. inside. And whoever survives that, I like either one of those teams better than Baylor uh, down there. You know, the reason I pick Gonzaga in Arizona is as many obstacles exist for Gonzaga, I just think frontcourt-wise, better than UConn, better than Arkansas, better than Rutgers, better than Texas Tech, uh, better than Alabama, who I think they'd have a good revenge game against. And then, you know, I'm not convinced Duke gets past Texas Tech if that happens. I think Texas Tech would defend Duke, uh, so I I don't think Texas Tech can score with Gonzaga. They already lost to him in Phoenix earlier in the year, so I like the Zags. And then Arizona, they're playing the best basketball in the country. You could have easily made an argument to me that Arizona would be the number one overall seed, and I would have had no issue. No issue if that were the case. So that's that one. And then, let's look at this. So, Illinois is not healthy. Jacob Grandison didn't play, shoulder injury. Right. So that's a problem. Then, you know, they've got multiple bigs, like three, that handled Kofi Coburn in Champaign. So I think they could do it again. At the bottom of the bracket, Tennessee or Villanova, they did lose to Tennessee on the road. I like them in a neutral court down in San Antonio uh, to revenge that one. And Villanova, you know, the they have Chris Dixon inside, but I I don't think they have the inside game that can hang with the Wildcats. Uh, Colin Gillespie's playing great, no question, but he's going to be pressured by Arizona, and that's why I like Arizona to come out of the South. So much of this is about matchups. You know, We're asked all the time. We do it. It's fun to make Final Four predictions prior to the bracket, but it's all about matchups, and that's why I like the Gonzaga-Arizona brackets better than the Baylor-Kansas ones.
0: Sure. If you had to pick one, though, which one's easiest? Which one's hardest? Out of those two Big 12, which one's the hardest? Of the two Big 12? Sure. Baylor and Kansas. Which one's got a harder path?
1: Baylor. Okay.
0: I agree. You could potentially have to go through three Blue Bloods in Carolina, UCLA, and, and Kentucky. So that's tough.
1: Right. And especially Purdue and Kentucky. Without Chamo Chachua, they are very vulnerable inside. And Purdue and Kentucky's strength is inside. Uh, so... You know, the game would be in Philly. You know, Kentucky travels well, they'd have a good fan base. You know, Baylor would clearly be the road team in a Philly Elite Eight game against Kentucky and maybe to some extent Purdue. So um I think they have the of those two Big 12, they have the harder road.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let's shift it a little bit to the Big Ten now. Obviously, they had nine teams in. So you know, there's some pretty good chances that they're gonna to get to the final four, some teams. Uh well last year they had nine. Uh, yeah, that didn't that didn't go so well. Michigan was carrying the Big Ten.
1: But you know what we forget, Chad, and all the criticism of the Big Ten, which is fair, but Michigan was really close to getting there. You know, they lost to UCLA, they had a lead, they gave it up. And had Michigan gotten to the final four, I'm not saying they would have beaten Baylor. Uh, Oregon Zagger for that matter, but they at least would have had a team in the final four after having nine teams in the field, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: But no, this year you did have two big 10 teams in the final four, Purdue and Iowa. Uh, What stood out about those two teams? And like, why did you kind of overlook other teams like Illinois or Wisconsin, maybe even Michigan state? Um, Had you settled on those two teams out of the big 10?
1: It really came down to the brackets they were in, you know, if Iowa were in the South, I wouldn't have picked them because I love Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I like the matchup with Iowa, and I just keep leaning there. We'll see if it happens, but I just like that Iowa would be in Chicago going against Kansas. Keegan Murray is a special talent. I mean, he is big time. He almost never misses, it seems like. Uh, and Jordan Bohannon's back making threes, as we saw. He had the banker to to beat Indiana So in the semi in the Big Ten tournament. So I like that matchup for Iowa. And Purdue um, – Purdue, they just can't turn the ball over. You know, they were the better team throughout the course of the Big Ten tournament until Sunday when they turned the ball over way too many times. So credit I was defense. But if they don't turn the ball over, Jaden Ivey can literally just change the narrative of the game in a split second. Hopefully his tailbone's okay. He landed a couple times hard on that tailbone.
0: That was a tough slip.
1: Yeah. Um, but, you know, Travion Williams and Zach Eady when they are on, I mean, no one else has two players like that. Oscar Shibwe, uh is unbelievable inside, rebounder, but he doesn't have a you know a comparable player. But those two guys are interchangeable. And the fact that Eric Hunter is making threes really changes things for Purdue. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, but I, I just love, I, I like the bracket for them. I don't like that Illinois would have to go against Arizona. So that's why I don't have them in. Um I don't like, you know, Michigan State's not playing well, and Tyson Walker's hurt. So that is a, look, Ohio State, if Ohio State had been healthy this year, we'd have a much different discussion about them because EJ Liddell is special, so is Malachi Branham. Malachi is going to be, in, I think, potentially in the lottery. Um, so they got two big-time talents, but they are really banged up. Kyle Young out, uh, Zed Key's out, may, maybe comes back, but they've not been healthy. You know, I'll, I'll say this. I actually like the first four Big 10 teams to get to the second round. Uh I think Rutgers can beat in another uh, name. I don't like the way Alabama's been playing. They've been all over the map oh and my gosh. I think Rutgers really guards and can guard Alabama. Now, I don't know if they'd beat Texas Tech, which would be a 44-43 type game. But no kidding. I like Indiana against Wyoming and St. Mary's. I you know, and look, could they beat UCLA, sure if that's what happens. But so it's funny because Initially, they're all squawking about being in the first four, but I actually like their brackets better than Michigan, which wasn't in the first four, has to go against a pretty good Colorado State team. And then if they beat Colorado State, they got to play Tennessee.
0: Yeah, that's a tough draw.
1: Yeah, I think that's a tougher draw for Michigan than the first four Big Ten teams.
0: Yeah, I liked Indiana as well there. But now, you know, with the way brackets are formed, even after these first four games, people can edit their brackets before they officially submit it on NCAA.com. So let's just say hypothetically, Notre Dame and Wyoming both win. Are you going to change your bracket? Or are you going to advance Alabama uh, or St. Mary's? Yes.
1: I didn't know you could do that. And if you can, I will. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you got it. Well, good deal. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for that uh, late Wednesday, maybe even Thursday morning.
1: Okay. Um,
0: let's have fun with this next question, though. I know, Andy, you just, driven in you, you would never pick a 16 over one. Like, you just watch all these teams, you're like, these teams are just objectively better. But it's happened once. If you had to pick one who has the best shot as a 16 seed to upset a one seed.
1: Well, I'll be there, because I'm working the Portland Regional for for uh, TNT and TBS. Um, I've talked to Mark Few, and he's not too happy about it, because... I don't know if we have a you know how good your historical knowledge is Chad but I don't ever remember a Sunbelt team being a 16. I mean mm. the Sunbelt's not a bad league and sure. Georgia State obviously you know every team's different but they have history of of playing well in this tournament. Um they were a 14 when they beat Baylor, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was a 14-3. Mm-hmm. Um I really was surprised that Georgia State was a 16 as a Sunbelt team. So if you're going to make me pick one, it would be that one.
0: Okay. That's not a bad pick. We'll see how close it no, is. No, I mean,
1: based on what we see of the other 16s, do you agree?
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I agree. Just because of what you said with the Sun Belt as a league, I think it's better than some of these other leagues that are also just kind of in the same conversation, just kind of diluted on the other end, especially with the two four first four teams that always seem to get smoked in the first round. So, yeah, I'd go Georgia State to keep it, like, slightly competitive. Maybe in the first half they can hang with them, and, you know, they get lucky, they get lucky. Uh, no, certainly not picking that. Um, let's talk about some 13 to 16 seeds because I think these are the picks where they're not as popular, right? And then all of a sudden, one of these teams wins. We're like, oh, I had, we didn't see that coming. If you just had to pick out of the 13 to 16 seeds, who has the best chance of upsetting it, whether you picked it or not? Which 13 to 16 seeds do you like?
1: Okay, well, you could. Well, I'll tell you the the one that I think a lot of people will pick, and that's South Dakota State over Providence. Mm. Um, the Friars got smoked by Creighton lost the previous week, uh, to Villanova. I mean, look, those are good teams. Obviously South Dakota States won 21 in a row. Now this is not the Mike dome, uh, South Dakota state Jack rabbits, but they're good. And they're going to make threes. I think they're shooting well over 40%. So that's going to be an interesting one. I would not be shocked at all if they were to win that one. I don't think this Chattanooga team is good enough to beat Illinois, especially inside. So I'd lean a little away from that one. You know, the Vermont, Arkansas is interesting. The
0: Catamounts.
1: Vermont ran away with the America East. They have the uh, Ryan Davis player of the year, Ben Shungu. They're going to try to control the tempo. If they get this game in a half court as athletic as Arkansas is, and certainly can be, if this game gets late, that could be trouble. Once again, not picking it, but I can sure. see it. I wouldn't be, once again, I wouldn't be shocked if that one were to happen. Um, you know, after that, in terms of a, you know, the 14s, not, not Longwood, uh, not Montana State. Yale? What about I Yale? I can't see no? Yale because I don't see their guards being, a, oh, I got one for you, and that's Colgate, Wisconsin. Mm. Seriously, if that game was anywhere else but Milwaukee, I think I would pick it wow! because Colgate shoots extremely well. Johnny Davis, now he's got till Friday, but he wasn't healthy. You know, he played, but that was the first game after that ankle injury against Nebraska. Played horribly. Shot the ball, was completely ineffective. And they need him, obviously, to be elite. But, you know, that game's at the Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. It's going to be a total Wisconsin crowd. You think maybe that wills them to win. If it wasn't there, I, I don't think I would hesitate picking Colgate. So that's another one I could see people picking.
0: Yeah, not bad. That's, that's good insight there. Um, what? Let's loosen up the the restrictions though a, a little bit. Now let's just look at double digit seeds. Who could make the Sweet Sixteen? I don't think you had any double digit seeds making the Sweet Sixteen, but who who could make that run?
1: Well, um, of the double digit seeds, yeah, maybe Miami. I mean, no, I'm going to start I'll, here. I'll give you one, UAB. I like UAB. UAB under Andy Kennedy, he's you know been in this position before. Uh Houston, uh, you know, they won the American, they're without their star players. I think that's a toss-up game in a 5-12. And as I said, Illinois not playing well. So, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if UAB went on a run. You know, the other one, even though I really like UConn, once again, would not be shocked if New Mexico State went on a little run. Uh, and could win a couple games. One that I'm going to tell you that I wasn't, a, I was not, I just didn't feel, but the, as the days pass, I'm starting to think maybe I should have picked it. But I could see Davidson beating Michigan State, especially if Tyson Walker isn't playing. And I could see Davidson beating Duke. So we could have Davidson. Playing in the Sweet 16 after beating Michigan State and Duke, Bob McKillop, one of the more underrated coaches. He's a college basketball Hall of Famer, no question. Maybe he should be a, a reg, you know Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, but uh, I could see that one. Uh, the other one that's a little bit of a kind of like last year, you know, with UCLA, where it's weird to call him a Cinderella, but sure. Iowa State. You know, remember beginning of the season they were like six in the country. They can beat LSU, which is team turmoil right now, without Will Wade yep. and Kevin Nickelberry So, as the interim coach. And they can beat Wisconsin, even in Milwaukee. Sure. So that's one. And then the other ones I'm going to give you is Indiana. Indiana could pull a UCLA, actually, beat Wyoming, beat St. Mary's, and beat UCLA. Yeah, That could happen. I think the Rutgers-Texas Tech game, if that happens, if, that's going to be a game in the 40s, and then you don't know.
0: Yeah, anything could happen there. Yeah. Well, I like the UAB call because because of one main reason, Andy Kennedy's teams, they always seem to just be centered around one star player, whether it's Marshall Henderson or Stefan Moody. And now he's got Jordan Walker averaging over 20 a game with like a 33% usage rate. So there's a guy, if he gets hot, could carry to sweet 16, and you know, who knows how far. So that'll be fun to watch. I like that one. But you mentioned Iowa State there. And that feels like a pick where it's like super obvious upset pick right like the, the entire public's going to be picking that oh lsu no coach you know no chance in this game how surprised would you be if lsu actually won that game
1: i wouldn't be surprised i mean terry easton obviously they've got talent but they've been really inconsistent down the stretch in the sec they started hot and then they kind of faded in into the the murky waters of the the middle ground of that sec so i, I just don't think they're playing well even with the head coaching turmoil of, of Will Wade getting fired. So, and then again, if, if LSU were to beat Iowa State and they play Wisconsin, now all bets are off if it ends up being Colgate. Like if Colgate pulls the upset and it's LSU over Iowa State, then yeah, LSU's on its way to, to, to the Sweet 16.
0: All of a sudden in the Sweet 16. Yeah. It seems like that always happens. You just never see it. All of a yeah, they make something like
1: that definitely could occur.
0: Yeah. All right. A couple more questions here. A team like Tennessee is a three seed who who might feel undervalued, right? Like they're, they're a three seed. A lot of people like them as a two, right? They had so many quad one wins, zero losses outside uh, quad one. Great. A lot of people pick these upsets kind of based on seeds and maybe less on teams, right? They'll just go, oh, the three seed will win this one. You know, they're just kind of throwing darts at the board. Uh, what other teams, if you're picking on seed, are maybe a little undervalued um, that you think are a little bit better than where what their seed number says?
1: Well, I mentioned them earlier. To me, it's Iowa. You know, Iowa's a five. Uh, I think they can go the whole way to the final four and compete for the championship. And it's funny you mentioned Tennessee because both Iowa and Tennessee weren't seeded to the way they finished, both winning the SEC, uh, the you know, the Big Ten and SEC respectively. Right. But let's say they moved up a line, each of them. If Iowa was the four, they would have been the last four, which meant they'd be where Arkansas is in Gonzaga's bracket, so now they're suddenly with the top overall seed. Tennessee, same thing, because Duke is the bottom two. So now yeah. Tennessee would have moved to that two line. Now you're with Gonzaga, um, and now you could say, "Oh well, you know, Arizona may be better than Gonzaga, and that may be true, but technically, they like I just think that where Tennessee is in the bracket, and it'd be tough to be Villanova, but." You know, sort of you're trading things of do you want to be with the number one overall seed or, you know, have a chance to advance further potentially in the other bracket? I think Iowa is the best case of that, though, Chad, where they were a team that was seeded more to their record than their current play talent momentum.
0: Yep, And you've got them in your final four. So uh, now let's throw everything out the window. You know, let's say all chaos ensues in this tournament. What would your chaos final four be? And with that, I mean, you can't pick a top four seed in any region. Give me your chaos final four.
1: All right. A chaos final four in the East would have either Indiana or Murray State. You want to pick one? You can pick one. Who do you like?
0: I'd go Indiana.
1: All right, let's go Indiana. They got hot in the Big Ten tournament. Think yeah. I think could get hot here too. So let's go Indiana, kind of like, Last year's UCLA, double-digit seed, first four to the Final Four. Yep. In the West, uh, a Chaos Final Four probably would have, I will say, Davidson. Okay. All right? Because they can shoot the basketball. In the South, a Chaos Final Four. Sister Jean again? No, I don't like them against Villanova. Mm. Let's say a Chaos Final Four has, oh, uh, for the heck of it, let's say Colorado State.
0: Okay, wow. Look at that, the Rams. that would be fun.
1: And then in the Midwest. Midwest,
0: what you got? The chaos. I mean, you picked Iowa, but if you there are five that technically counts, but if you were going to go no Iowa, who you got?
1: If I'm going to go no Iowa, complete chaos, then, um, ooh, this is a tough one. I, I I mean, if we want to go complete chaos, you know, well, like Richmond. They I got was four say, super Richmond, seniors. They got Richmond, four super by the seniors. Way, Let them take it. Richmond has super seniors galore. I and mean, yeah. they might be one of the I don't have this in front of me, but they might be one of the oldest teams in the bracket. They all came back be. and they didn't play well this year. And it was surprising. I actually thought they were going to be the be, you know, one of the two best teams with St. Bonaventure in the A ten. Sure. So yes, let's go Richmond. That's your chaos.
0: All right. So we had what? Indiana, Davidson, Richmond, and Colorado State. There's your chaos Chaos final four. four. We'll revisit that one.
1: (laughs) Hey, let's put that one out. That'll draw some uh, attention. Let's do it. All right, Chad. We'll revisit this weekly throughout the course of the tournament.
0: Good deal. Let's do it. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners.
1: He'll rank anything. All right. For this edition of Katz Ranks, top 10 fan bases for the first and second round. Let's start at number one. Wisconsin. The Badgers are playing in Milwaukee. So Pfizer Forum is going to be packed with red and white for Wisconsin. Number two, Kentucky at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Whenever the Wildcats play in Indy, Big Blue Nation shows up. Number three, Arizona in San Diego. Wildcat Nation. All across the Southwest into California. I expect a strong Arizona turnout. Number four, Gonzaga in Portland. The Zags do travel well in the Northwest, so expect tons of Zags from the Spokane area, maybe from Seattle, Oregon. They will pack in Portland. Number five, Kansas in Fort Worth. Jayhawk Nation always does show up, especially within that Big 12 footprint. Number six, stay with Baylor in Fort Worth in the Big 12. Coming up from Waco and, of course, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, plenty of Baylor alums. Number seven, Tennessee in Indianapolis. The Vols certainly have an alumni base that can go westward from Knoxville and land in Indy. Number eight, Duke in Greenville. Blue Devils, of course, have strong alumni base up and down the eastern seaboard. And, of course, in North Carolina, but not as much as North Carolina NC State. But the core group of fans certainly will travel to Greenville, South Carolina. Number nine, Yukon in Buffalo. It's a long drive from Connecticut. There are flights. You'd have to probably connect. But um, I think Yukon still will have a strong showing in Buffalo. And 10 let's go back out to Portland for Boise State. We'll take on Memphis in that 8-9 game. And I think the Broncos will have a pretty good showing to support their efforts against Memphis. So, we'll see if I'm right based on home, crowd, attendance. We'll make it feel like a home game, perhaps. For your top 10 crowds of teams based on where these teams are located, where they're playing. We'll see how it all plays out. And now joining me here on March Madness Men's Basketball, Scott Drew, the reigning national champions, not defending. There is a difference, Scott, as you know, because it's a new team. Um, but you're still a number one seed, and I think that is a remarkable achievement. Both you and Mark Fuick Gonzaga Zaga retooling and both being number one seeds back-to-back seasons uh, put that in perspective for me uh, to have the two national champions back as number one seeds, even though some returnees, but not their entire core. Yeah, especially in today's college basketball
2: climate, in which you have people leave early for the pros, you have so many people with uh transfer portal and transfers. So the fact that, uh, um, We've been able to both get back to number one seed, says a lot about uh, uh, the returning players and the culture of our programs and the upperclassmen that have just been able to lead the way and do a great job uh, in making sure the new players have adjusted well, adapted well, and done what's, what's needed to be successful. How hard was it? (laughs) <laughs> well, as, as, as you know, it's a long season and we started out great, 15 and 0, and then all of a sudden we get hit with a bunch of injuries and uh, really have to credit uh, the guys that have stepped up when players have gone out with injuries and um, uh, picked up the slack and taking advantage of the opportunities. And uh, Because of that, uh, we, we've been able to go back-to-back as conference champs and, uh, as you said, repeat as number one seeds. And if you want to even go a step further, the last three years, I think Gonzaga and us, uh, I know we were, and I'm sure they were, uh, both set to be number one seeds before the COVID shut down
1: March Madness. So uh, both our programs have really been blessed. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point, because both of you would have been number one seeds in 2020. Uh, so really, it is essentially three years in a row. What do you think the importance is of being a one seed?
2: Well, first and foremost, the wives all like it because you get uh, uh, priority in the hotels. In the bubble, you got the bigger team room, and that was huge because when you spent a a month in the bubble, that big team room really came in handy. Uh, As far as uh, uh, this year, since you're in no bubble, um, I think first and foremost, you earn the number one seed. No game is easy in the NCAA tournament. Every game is a challenge. But statistically, analytically, you would have an easier path to advance than somebody who was a four, five, six, seven, eight seed.
1: All right. So uh, I'm going to not go too far ahead because I know you don't like doing that and coaches don't like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to deal with your mini tournament in Fort Worth because you're going to have to prepare for three teams. We know that. Correct. So you've got mm-hmm. Norfolk State, and then either if you win that game, North Carolina or Marquette, which is going to be, I think, the best eight, nine game of any. Uh, what do you think of that little mini foursome?
2: Well, uh, Norfolk has uh, done a great job for uh, numerous years. I mean, they've been uh, the class of that conference uh, uh, the last three, four years. So Coach Jones has done a great job. And with that program, um, they've had success in the postseason. They've beaten Alabama and the NIT in 2019. I remember when Missouri was in the Big uh, 12 and it was a 15-2 game, uh, and they beat Missouri. Um, so they've had success in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then, obviously, when you talk about tradition, Hubert Davis done a great job with North Carolina, and North Carolina has as good a tradition as anybody in the country and obviously always have have, have talent. And then uh, Shaka has done a great job with Marquette and very familiar with him when he was at Texas, and uh, I think a lot of people were surprised at their success, but we knew he would do a great job there.
1: All right, so let's look at your team. I mean, no Jonathan Chamochachua, which is really unfortunate because he's been such a focal point of your team. Yeah. Um, how and, and injuries to LJ Cryer at times. Um, give me the update of, of where you stand right now for this run.
2: Well, the good thing is we have uh, a healthy James Akinjo. Adam Flagler is feeling better than he's felt in a while. A healthy Jeremy uh, Sohan. And uh, Kendall Brown is uh, uh, healthy. So it's good having those guys healthy. LJ will have to uh, still to be determined as we get closer to game time. We'll know more about that. And then uh, John's doing a great job on scouting reports. So he's helping break down film and uh, uh, helping the bigs understand what they got to do. So he's just a a special young man that wants to help in any way that he can. And instead of getting up at 6 a.m. and working out, now he's getting up at 6 a.m. and
1: rehabbing so how did you I mean how'd you deal with not having him I mean how did that change this team yeah
2: well first uh, uh Flo Famba's had to play more minutes and uh, he's done a great job he, he was playing really well um uh at the beginning of the year and uh the one thing when you have two bigs it makes it a little easier because you can be a little more aggressive um and you, you can play a little bit harder because uh you know that uh, you're going to get rest uh, very similar to Produce a, a too big system right now. Um, but now that Flo's playing uh, uh, more minutes, he's done a great job staying out of foul trouble. He's uh, uh, done a good job uh, managing his minutes and not getting, building up his stamina and endurance. And then at the same time, we've uh, played uh, Jeremy Sohan at the five, and he's done a good job adapting, and, and he, he provides a, a mismatch uh, problem for who's ever trying to guard him because uh, he can obviously handle pass and shoot it like a guard and that uh, gives us great versatility on the offensive
1: end. Scott James Kinjo is a great example. Multiple transfer lands mm-hmm. at ultimately the right spot for him. Um, this is our new era. This is our new life in terms of dealing with transfers. Yeah. Every team I've listed has a significant transfer in some form or fashion that you know is going to compete for the national championship for the most part. Uh, what's it like to be in this new era of trying to find the right fits with these transfers?
2: Well, I, I can tell you that, uh, um, because there are so many out there, it is really important to make sure you are getting the right fit. And, uh, the reason is if you bring in normally a freshman, uh, you have time to, to mold and groom them. They have time to adapt to your culture, but if you bring in an upperclassman, normally they're, they're, they're somewhat leaders because they've already been in college three years or four years and you expect more out of them. So it's really important that they've come from programs that, uh, have taught them, uh, uh, similar things that, uh, you want him to uh, do on and off the court. And with James, he's somebody that does really uh, fit in well with our culture. He's a a very hard worker, spends a ton of time on his craft, and he's very serious about getting better. And
1: he's been very coachable. And I know uh, uh, Coach Ewing and Coach Miller have done a good job with him. And the super seniors, a lot of these teams are benefiting off of that. Um, What have you thought about that aspect this year that uh obviously was it was a no-brainer it was great the NCAA did it uh but it it really has allowed our game to be much more uh I mean it's just better game it's more experienced yeah feels like everyone's even more into the sense of urgency because they didn't have the full experience last year and it's been a huge huge plus
2: it definitely was a great thing um at the same time I tell you it's provided more challenges for freshmen from the standpoint uh usually you're competing against a a 22 year old senior uh now you're competing against a 23 year old senior and that makes it even tougher um at the same time i think coaches have really enjoyed it because the older more experienced your rosters get the more creative you can get the more things you can add during the season um the more things you can put on their plate because uh, they've They've been through the rigors. They've seen scouting reports. They adjust quicker. So a lot of different dynamics involved. And uh, as you said, normally older people, usually a little more experience, uh, lead to a better better game. And you've seen so many great games across the country this year at all
1: levels. Hey, last thing. I'm trying to think on your roster, how many players, if any, played in the 2019 tournament? Oh, Now you're asking tough
2: questions. Um, (laughs) 2019, uh, maybe Flo Thamba and Matt Meyer. Okay. That would
1: have probably been it. So here's what's crazy. You win the championship in 21. Mm -hmm. Now we're into 22. 20 didn't happen. So essentially the majority of your roster, if not all, have never experienced, even though you just won a national championship, a real full March Madness NCAA tournament. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and that, and I bet you there's a lot of
2: uh, teams that'll be in that same Oh, yeah, the majority. Uh, as well, yeah. And, and, and I can tell you I can tell you also that I thought the home crowds this year were a lot more passionate and a lot more animated and excited and just from a year of not being there. And I think the same is going to be for March Madness um, without having uh, packed arenas and people being able to get tickets last year. I think it's going to be even that much more exciting, um, especially come Final Four time.
1: Well, Scott, look forward to seeing you at some point along the way, Fort Worth, and then if you advance to Philadelphia. Scott, as always, appreciated. best to your family, especially your parents. Uh, you know, I always think the world of them.
2: Well, they think the world to you, and safe travels to you, and uh, thanks for all that you do for college basketball.
1: And that'll wrap up this Monday edition, when we taped it, of March Madness Men's Basketball. We will be taping each of the next couple Mondays after the weekend's results, so we will have a show next week looking ahead to the Sweet 16 and the Lead 8 after the first and second round, and then, of course, leading into the Final Four and then post-Final Four as well. So, as always, big shout-out to Abby Stoltz, Chad Acock, our entire team at Turner Sports, Warner Media, Bleacher Report, and, of course, everyone at ncw.com that helps with the pop. As always, thanks for watching, and enjoy March Madness.